0: everybody And welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 121. I'm one one, your host sat in Berlin, Germany. My name is Alexander Holden, and as always, I'm sat digitally next to my number one pod partner. He's sat way over there, and we're brought together by the power of the internet. He's in Melbourne, Australia. He's going to be the one cool. John Maloney. John Maloney. John Maloney, have you ever done a marketing survey? Have you ever been asked, either on the phone or in person, has anyone come up to you and said, you look like the type of guy that represents the tri- the type of man mm. that we're trying to get our products to?
1: I'm sure I have. Yeah. I can't I don't have kind of strong memories, but I, I think I mean you and I worked briefly I don't think we were there at the same time, but we did a kind of um market research thing
0: for a dental hygiene right. place didn't we yeah that was right in the early 2000s yeah. i had a job doing phone surveys for a nationwide dental health survey and the results mm. were then going to be used and collated by the federal government and it was going okay. to be put into a report that would then be presented i believe this is correct it was then going to be, it was a commissioned report which required research and that information was then going to be taken and I suppose recommendations would be made uh, to Mm -hmm. the health sector about Australia's dental health, the state of Australia's dental health and what it needed. And so, yeah, I would go in every day and I would put my little headset on and tippy-tap away on the keyboard and we were literally just going through the names in, I guess, what would have then been the white pages. And so the the computers had... The complete Australian white pages in them. Mm -hmm. And the software program would pick a number at random and dial Mm. it. And Mm. then you would wait and see if anybody answered. And then you would start (laughs) reading off a script and you'd go. Oh, hi. How's it going? My name's Alex. I'm calling from the Australian Federal Dental Survey. I was wondering if you want to do Australian Federal Dental Survey with me today. And (laughs) do you drink,
1: you'd be like, do you drink Australia's Choice Cola once a day, more than once a day? (laughs) (laughs) It was exactly like like that. Okay. Question 42. My teeth are rotting out of my head. Do you strongly agree? (laughs) Strongly disagree?
0: (laughs) People. People at dinner parties comment that your teeth are disgustingly yellow (laughs) occasionally, more than occasionally, rarely. (laughs) Yeah. So that
1: wasn't for a commercial purpose, but it was essentially the same sort of format that you get from a market research survey.
0: Yeah. And, and classically you learn when you're doing phone surveys and this is probably true of any survey. That the people that are more willing to do them tend to be the older <laughs> yeah. people, and so yeah, I you, you have to ask people's you have to ask people's age because if you just accepted the people that actually were willing to do the survey, then everybody would just be over seventy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because they were they were sat more at home and they just had more time to give to you, and maybe some of them were lonely and they just were happy to. If you got yeah. an old person on the phone that you'd hear that you'd hear their age in their voice, and mm. you just go. Oh, gonna, I've got a phone survey here. It's probably going to take four hours, and they go, oh, yeah, "Fine, let's do it. Let's go for it." I got, I've my my calendar's clear, Alex. My schedule's clear. <laughs> let's get into it. Let's really drill down. Yeah, I've, di- I
1: mean, I've done, I've done a little bit of, like, I'm sure I've answered, uh, just random questions on the street for people out of politeness and things like that occasionally. I've done a bit of, um, you know. Uh, well, I've done some political, uh, campaigning, awesome, like polling shit. Exactly. For people that I, uh, for friends of mine who were in politics, etc., or friends of friends. And then it's the same thing where even, even in relatively recent years, they were still heavily reliant on knowing people's numbers. And until like, I don't know, this was probably only less than 10 years ago and we were still calling up. People's landlines, which again, which was even more of a kind of discriminating factor than it would have been yeah. when you were doing it, because it's like, <clears throat> well, you're willing to do this and you've got a landline, so you probably, yeah. you've probably remember the Great Depression, but, uh, <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just go, wow, well, everybody that does the survey is voting conservative. I don't know mm, why exactly. that is.
1: Yeah, everyone's everyone's top concerns were like polio. <laughs> and <laughs> and the Austro-Hungarian Empire. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: uh, the reason that I was asking is because I got I got asked to do, to do a survey recently and I didn't I didn't actually know exactly what it was until the end of the sur- of the market research survey which I think is is by design because they don't want it to be Tainted, mm, um, okay, uh, and it and I'll get to that in a sec. But it reminded me of it reminded me of another survey that I I had done because uh, I was un, I was wondering oh when was the last time I did a I did a survey have I done one before and I remembered a couple of years ago when I was back in Australia I was sitting out the front of maybe this was ten years ago I was sitting out the front of my local supermarket and somebody approached me with a folder with, and said. Would you be interested in just doing a quick survey? Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, to, let's go for it." Because I'm, I'm all up for this kind of stuff. It, <laughs> I get the exact same, I get the exact same rush of pleasure endorphins as where somebody yeah. wants to like, like t- read my palm, mm. or you know, tell me that my, tell me about my hor- horoscope or any of that <laughs> yeah, stuff, or yeah. wa- wave crystals over my crotch. Any of that, I'm right, in, <laughs> I'm right into, even though. Even though my logic brain knows that, you know, nothing's happening. There's still just something yeah. about that attention and being asked totally. questions. Yeah. You go, Oh, I'm gonna think. Oh, yeah, please ask me more questions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so the person came up to me with the folder and said, Would you be interested in doing this stuff? And I said, Yeah, let's go. And it was a it was a beer brand marketing survey. So they were obviously representing one of the major Australian brewers. And mm-hmm. what are, the kinds of questions you were asked? things initially about the kinds of it's exactly how you might imagine in that the actual taste of the beer was not particularly prevalent in the survey and it was all about I remember I remember I really remember that a lot of the questions were about the beers that I would be the they would so they would say things to me like have a look at this beer here on a scale of one to 10 and they show you a picture of the beer and you know, it might be, I don't know, two is new. Yeah. And they'd say on a scale of one to five, five being lots and one scale of one to five, five being heaps and one being not so heaps. Uh, it was a South Australian survey. That's why everything was in heaps. (laughs) And the standard unit measurement (laughs) in South Australia, especially, especially when you talk about beer yeah, and, uh, and it was all about how happy I would be being seen by my friends oh. with the various products. Wow. So it wasn't. It wasn't really which of these. There was probably a couple that were like, "Well, what do you like?" That's the an taste interesting of the most? measurement, the, isn't it? Yeah, but the vast majority of the vast majority of it was what does when you look at this brand mm. what image comes to mind and then I really distinctly remember that it, there was a bunch of questions <laughs> that were if you were around people that you respected and you wanted to respect you mm. which of these beers would you choose, essentially? Which which yeah. of these communicates the identity that you want to communicate oh, to the people wow. that are around you? So I suppose, I mean, for those outside of Australia... Famously, and this is again Australia's beer drinking culture has changed a, a huge amount over the last 30 years. But yeah, when in the 90s it was still the kind of thing that Crown Lager was the fancy <laughs> beer, yeah, uh, and it's like the Viennetta of, like, of like, beers, exactly. It was the Viennetta of beers, and it came in that very distinct, long bottle, yeah. elegant bottle um and it was always featured when sport australian sporting teams would win or that after the afl grand final everybody would drink be drinking crown lager so i suppose the the whole image with crown lager would have been that you're a bit you drink beer but you're a bit fancy that's the whole yep. that would be the whole angle and f- there was famously rumors that crown lager was like vb but in a different bottle uh, basically that it right. was all image that. and it had nothing to do with taste um,
1: yeah.
0: but yeah these days there's so many different beer brands that you can imagine that you might pick a beer to to represent you that, for example, if you considered yourself a bit of a hipster, you might mm. drink some sort of craft IPA. Yeah. But maybe somebody who is like an older gentleman, you might drink mm. something that's a bit fancier and maybe Australian, uh bogues, something yeah. like that. Sure, you might have a Bogues, yep. And yeah, so this particular this particular Market uh, market researcher was asking me all these beer questions, which yeah, it was it was fun doing it because it it's fun doing it because it makes you question these decisions yourself. Yeah, I, going, ah, I yeah, I guess that this is the one that I would want people to see me drinking. It's true. I, I'd, I'd never thought about that, and it also makes you realize, of course, that that the that the kind
1: of dark arts of marketing are at work because because they, they go. Yeah, like this will taste good, but it's also just going to be about cultivating very deliberately this is the kind of... And you kind of go, well, I'm not a kind of person. I'm John Maloney. I don't yeah, do things uh, cheap, just because
0: it's sold to me by these companies, but... I like the taste. Yeah, I, I, choose like, co- I choose Coke because it tastes better than Pepsi. <laughs> exactly. Or,
1: you know, I, I just, like I really am a kind of authentic and artisanal <laughs> guy and that's why I choose <laughs> micro beer and they go yeah yeah no we know you probably did <laughs> some humanities degree in bullshit and I'm, Wh- whatever that's just a wild guess but um, yeah it makes you realize that you fit on a pie chart somewhere pretty snugly and uh, if I was if,
0: if like, I was to if I was to ask you this now if I was yeah. to say, if I if I was to give you this survey, yeah. Would you, if you were at a barbecue and you mm. opened the esky and there was mm. a whole bunch of beers in there uh, mm. of different brands, what do you think you would reach in and and pull out? Ooh, I do like your
1: kind of. Uh, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole ton of Australia, uh, particularly Melbourne based, um, kind of small small scale stuff like your. Little creatures and your stone and wood and your two birds, any of those yeah. sorts of things are probably what I'd gravitate towards rather than, like if you're going up north of this country these days into your into your rugby playing states, a lot of people up yeah. there drinking Great Northern. I've noticed. Yeah, uh, they like okay, that. Great.
0: Oh yeah, Great Northern. I've seen Great Northern when I've been mm, back in. That's I really think Great Northern's. T- I think it is a Queensland beer. I, I think.
1: think so. That's really taken off, and that's kind of a that's kind of a you know pretty stock standard flavor, but there's also, uh, a thing that's kind of happened since you've, uh, emigrated is just cans. Everyone loves these kind of very, very brightly and ornately decorated canned beers, uh, yeah. rather than drinking your stubbies or whatever. Um, that's yeah. more of a thing. You'll have like a, you know, you might, instead of coming with a, with a carton or with a six pack, you might come with like two, four packs of, of fancily decorated cans. And they'll, (laughs) there'll be some like, uh, some, you know, artist who has a bit of, uh, genuine indie cred who will have done the the artwork for them.
0: partnership.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's right. So you can really,
0: and then what you're drinking will probably just taste like anything else that you've drank, uh. For your entire adult life. Is that what you want other men to see you drinking so that you can impress them?
1: Yeah. I mean, most of my male friends are not, um, the kind of men who expect me drinking. to be drinking more traditional beefy man beers, really. <laughs> uh, they're quite happy
0: for me to drink drinking out of a flowery can. Do you, would you want people to see you drinking whiskey at a barbecue? Mmm, that's a good question. I do, I do
1: love, uh, I do love, um, whiskey these days. I'm drinking whiskey right now. Would you believe? Shout out to Bushmills. Uh, I decided I'd go with an Irish whiskey this time. Um, Bushmills, Irish whiskey, supposed to be the oldest distillery in the world by some measures, but anyway, yeah. So I guess I'm, what would be in marketing circles known
0: as a as a
1: wanker or a douchebag? <laughs>
0: you, you would. That's what they would tick you. Off. They wouldn't want you to see the clipboard. <laughs> yeah, they'd hold exactly. The, they'd pull the clipboard a little bit closer to their chest at the end of the survey, <laughs> and they just go, "I'm just gonna just. I'm, no, just no, I'm just. This. I'm just writing down how nice of a man you are here. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right." <laughs> And do you have a philosophy degree Yep
1: Okay, good.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so the, the um the the survey that I got asked to do recently. So I'm on, and i I'm, as everybody would know, I'm part of a running club. Yeah. And somebody on the running club um asked if I would be interested in take. I I can't remember the exact wording. But asked if I'd be willing to go into for for whatever reason I got the impression that what I was being asked to do was help somebody with a university project. So oh, okay, I don't know, I, and and you know I could have got this totally wrong, but for whatever reason I feel like the message that I read because there's a group there's a group chat for the running group, and I feel like the message that I read kind of inferred that it was somebody doing a university project and, you know, you know, I was like, yeah, sure, somebody's somebody's doing some sort of marketing degree and they have to feign doing a project or whatever. And yeah. then the first the first thing that was a little bit strange was that then the person who'd posted in the group um, it wasn't them that actually ended up calling me because because oh. the person in the group said, "Hey, does anybody in the group would be interested in helping me with a project that I'm doing or something?" And I was like, "Yes, yeah. I love doing these kind of things." Yeah, somebody's yeah, yeah. Gonna phone, somebody's gonna phone me up and talk to me, and so I said, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do it." And then the next thing I got was this kind of call. We'll be in touch, and then and then the next person that contacted me was like a different person. <laughs> wow, and. And then they they were very friendly, and they were asking me a bunch of questions about what kind of running gear I owned and mm-hmm. what brands I owned, so things like how many whether you'd be happy pes- to host a party where you where you gave running gear to your friends and they got other <laughs> friends to sell running gear <laughs> <laughs> it's that, yeah they they asked me if i was aware that the that a middleman was was jacking up the price on running sneakers <laughs> and they wondered and they asked me if i could think of any kind of solution to the problem of middlemen hiking up the price on sneakers <laughs> <laughs> mm. doesn't that sound crazy to you doesn't it sound crazy <laughs> that there's somebody there's a guy in the middle Just taking a huge amount of money, you got to pay, I mean, we got, it sounds to me like we got to do something about that. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? (laughs) (laughs) And what if I told you you could make money at the same time? (laughs) And so he, uh, and then eventually it became obvious what was going on because the questions became very specific to a very specific brand. So about, about halfway through the questions just turned to. And what do you think of X brand? And what how mm. do you feel when you think what kind of images come to mind? And do your friends wear brand X? Mm. And and <laughs> would you would you be willing to wear shoes from brand X? Would you be willing to wear apparel from brand X? Mm-hmm. And I was actually quite I was actually quite honest because I was very familiar with brand okay. X. Right. And I said listen to, I said listen man I've done quite a lot of research on Brand X, and I've got to tell you, I've got a feeling that your shoe is a bit of a gimmick. That's uh-huh. just my impression. Oh. Uh, I'm just not convinced Good that feedback. its whole thing actually actually functions the way that it's it's meant to. I have a feeling that its whole vibe is a bit gimmicky. Yeah. and it was Reebok pumps, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was... It was those trampoline shoes that kids wear in the nineteen fifties. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes when I try and try and activate the skates on the shoes, it doesn't work, and the lights don't go on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the LED. Yeah. I don't feel that the, the I don't feel that the rainbow LEDs are actually making me go any faster. <laughs> I feel I'm concerned that my running friends don't take me seriously. <laughs> with my light up sneakers. And so I said I said to him the other but another interesting question that he asked me was he asked me if I ran with uh, with music. Uh-huh. Um and then the survey took quite a philosophical turn because mm. I said actually I try very hard not to run with music because mm-hmm. I'm concerned. I said because one of the reasons that I took up running is because mm. I wanted to get away from screens and be more present and running for me is a lot about being, being just being forced to be present because you're negotiating your environment and you're running through the city and I love visiting a new city and I could tell that this was not something that he had heard before, and he mm. didn't really know what to do with or how to kind of. I'm sure that he was that there was like a circle. It, it, it would have said, <laughs> the thing would have said, Alex listens to music sometimes, not at all. Yeah, and I started yeah, yeah, going, yeah, yeah. I'm actually more concerned with being present and our concept of time when, <laughs> when I'm when I'm running. And he went, "Oh, okay, please go on." And then I started saying how. Yeah, running for me was a lot about getting away f- from our modern technologies, and yeah, that I tr- and that, that it's very tempting to run with music, he was just crying onto his survey at that point. <laughs> yeah, he, said, <laughs> he said, this is the most beautiful man that I've ever surveyed <laughs> about my running shoe brand." He said, "Is this what you dreamt of doing as a boy?" And he said, well, <laughs> No, <laughs> I said, take those headphones out of your ears. Put that, put that screen down. Do Look it. at the trees. Look at the just Get out there. I said, just talk. To, I said, don't listen to don't don't listen to Joe Rogan while you're running. Talk to a bird. Chase a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually one of it was actually one of Joe Rogan's guests. Uh, the very famous and much beloved by tough. Tuffy men the world over mm-hmm. David Goggins Who recommended oh, not, yeah. not, only rec- not only recommended Not running with headphones But basically said You're a big puss If you run with music Or <laughs> headphones in your ears He said that it's He said that it's a crutch Which I more or less agree with Because mm-hmm. it, the, the temptation is to You know you, Is to like Entertain yourself While you run And we're also We're also conditioned now To like oh, I mean I'm, I'm I'm as guilty as This of this as anyone, where you leave the house and you go, oh fuck! I better make sure I've got my headphones with me because I can't sit on yeah, the train totally. without, like, without listening to a podcast. Uh So yeah, I was saying to this guy in the survey, I was going, I try and run without headphones because David Goggins, you aka know, I've, the hardest, the hardest motherfucker on earth, said to exactly. me, "Don't be a big puss and go and run without." Yeah, him. I said, appalled. "Are you familiar with Goggins?" <laughs> he'd be appalled by my lifestyle, David.
1: But I will say this: I've I've, uh, I've sometimes been grateful that when I walk on my crutches, I can't Mm. look at a phone while I walk. Um, so I kind of, yeah, that's true. I'm kind of forced to engage with my environment. And sometimes I'm like, actually, this is, I'm feeling good. And I think it's because I just haven't looked at my phone in, you know, half an hour because I've been on a decent walk. And, uh, Sometimes I'll be like tempted to stop walking and pull out my phone and I'll be like, no, that's just stupid. I, I can't, like, I've got no reason to do that except for just wanting to fidget with my phone. So I'll just keep walking. But of course, you know,
0: a majority of the people that I'm passing, are yeah. just have,
1: have their head in their phone. And that but must, uh, I mean,
0: that it's funny because I, I also walk with my phone more than I should. And mm. yet, of course, as we've discussed in the past, uh, I, I it's this we all as humans i think have this i've actually seen a meme about this so i, I and we've spoken about it on the podcast that thing of where there's a particular behavior that you yourself exhibit and then if you just make a decision in the moment to go like oh, i'm not going to do that. i'm not going to walk with my phone and then literally mm. like, you put your phone in your pocket and two <laughs> yeah. steps later you see somebody else doing it and you're, and you're like, like oh, fuck you piece oh, of shit you you <laughs> fucking sheep you're all like, hypnotized <laughs> but um i've just been looking furiously
1: on Amazon for some kind of device like a little <laughs> visor that has a phone that'll
0: hang in front of my maybe, face. Like maybe like a little tennis sweatband with a rod coming <laughs> off it, John. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. And then just using voice commands. <laughs> Siri, go to Cindy Crawford, Instagram. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up <laughs> <laughs> Exactly.
1: I love just watching those non playable character ladies while I do
0: my walks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, so with the end of this survey, I just wanted to say that uh this is why this is also why I didn't tell you what brand it is. If by chance you start seeing a running shoe marketing campaign that starts talking about About how we need to fight the death of boredom and become more, (laughs) more present and how we all need to put our screens away and our headphones down and we need to reconnect. And if it's, if the marketing campaign starts sort of bringing in a whole lot of Eastern philosophy Mm. and then stuff about like skipping breakfast and fasting and and this kind of nonsense. You got calling up, asking for royalties. <laughs> you got Alexander Alexander Holland, aka Apricot Pepsi, to thank you for
1: that. Now, <laughs> last week on our show, you were talking about the twin cinematic phenomenon of Oppenheimer and Barbie. Um, yeah. and I'm
0: interested to know, you've seen Barbie since then, is that correct? I've seen Barbie since then. I'll see Oppenhoppen tomorrow night. Okay, so I've seen Oppenheimer.
1: So between the two of us, ah, we've so completed the
0: phenomenon. But
1: or I haven't seen Barbie yet. Um, but I've been thinking about seeing it. I'm probably going to see it, uh, with Jacinta and some others in, in the coming days. And, uh, it got me thinking about, of course, my own interactions with Barbie, Margot Robbie, funnily enough, made a comment in an interview about her childhood memories of Barbie and being around at her cousin's place, playing with their Barbies, which of course is, I don't know, it just struck me as a very kind of Australian uh memory because I have the exact same memory of going around to my girl cousin's houses and seeing all their dolls mm. And then, you know, you'd take their clothes off to see what you could find out, but it was just all <laughs> smooth and uninformative and, uh, <laughs>
0: and uh, You were so confused the first time that you were ever intimate exactly. with a girl What's all this bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> a lot more, this is a lot more complicated than I was expecting. I was <laughs> expecting smooth. I made I was
1: I was uh, espousing the theory the other night with some friends that this is why modern men are very intolerant of things like excessive pubic hair or irregular nipples because we just had our first interaction <laughs> led us to believe that there was just a factory <laughs> standard smooth <laughs> version. <laughs> Nippleless, smooth. Yeah, exactly. But um, but that aside, there was a period which had got me, which had got me reminiscing about when uh, doll making companies, particularly kind of large American toy manufacturers, got really into the sort of anatomical. Correctness and anatomical functions of dolls, and it's such a mm. strange thing. It's such a strange figment of my childhood that I remembered these bizarre ads. Of course, I never asked my parents to buy me any of these things, but I was, <laughs> but I was quietly fascinated. <laughs> yeah, I was quietly fascinated. In today's <laughs> less heteronormative world, I might have plucked up the courage, but, um, but you know, they'd have these kinds of. Like there was, you know, there was, um, th- there was just these ads and you'd see them and they'd be all about dolls that you could make them burp. You could sometimes make them, uh, drink, drink and eat. And then they would yeah, wee. Sometimes they'd, you know, like, uh, do that with various, using various different mechanisms. And as the time gone on, as time went on, those mechanisms were, I guess the different manufacturers <laughs> were essentially... Competing to make the dolls more kind of varied in their functions and more realistic. It's such a strange Thing to reflect on and so I was looking it up and I watched some of these ads, which I Um, which is just wonderful. Actually, I might quickly just show you one of the ads. Hang on. Here we go Magic potty baby, your bottle's all done potty training time will be so much fun training fancy you make me so proud your potty feels like magic then it flushes out loud it's fun to help magic potty baby learn to use her potty flush and you're ready for next time
0: magic potty baby i'm so glad that you're mine
1: magic potty baby and her magic potty no water no mess batteries not included
0: it's good that's team. gonna be stuck in my that's gonna be stuck in my head <laughs> that song <laughs> It's Magic catchy. Potty Baby, I'm so glad that you're mine
1: <laughs> So, <laughs> that was for a product called Magic Potty Baby, as the theme yeah. song suggests
0: Do you want to describe to people what that, would have, what that advertisement what showed? What that would have looked like Yeah, so apparently it was released
1: in the early 90s by Tyco, who was a well-known toy manufacturer And... Uh, it's a toy doll that uses the potty and that's kind of a major aspect of what it offers. So yeah. it comes with a, it came with a small bottle and it came with a toilet, a little toy toilet. And, uh, the, I read a, I read a great article about it on Bustle and they said, the doll comes with a tiny bottle, a tiny toilet and the itty bitty final shreds of sanity of whoever's idea it was, which is kind cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And it, and it was basically a uh, so the, the you put the doll on the toilet and then uh, a stream of like yellow liquid would fall into a sealed chamber which was seafood <laughs> so that you could watch the piss uh, accumulate in the chamber <laughs> and then,
0: and then you could impressive. have that should have been the that should have been the voiceover on the <laughs> ad.
1: <laughs> on the ad. <laughs> and then you could <laughs> and then you could flush the hair. You could push a handle, like a flush button, a flush lever to empty the chamber, which would activate a flushing sound. And, um, and it descended from obviously around the time, around that time, the early nineties, the eighties, there was a a range of similar products, but there was a product as, as early as the 1930s called Betsy Wetsy, which which was a doll that. Uh, pissed itself and, um, and you'll notice that the, that the magic potty baby ad, uh, mentions that there's no water and no mess because the, mm. the liquid kind of, I think stays within the seal yeah. chamber, creating the illusion of pee coming out of the magic doll. So, whereas the Betsy Wetsy would basically, you'd feed it and then it would sort of go through the doll's body and out its, uh. <laughs> the bottom go of its, its torso go through its kidneys exactly <laughs> it would be it would be processed by the <laughs> kidneys and uh and the doll would pee so that created a fair bit of mess for um, people <laughs> to deal with and one of the things that i liked about this research project that i did aside from <laughs> probably probably triggering various I'll, I'll probably on some kind of watch list now but uh <laughs> Because I kept googling dolls that poo and wee, um, <laughs> uh, is that the is the way that they refer that, that articles about? I mean, not these kind of satirical articles, but articles that deal with the subject matter more earnestly, like the Wikipedia article talks about uh, mess and wet as 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 flightways, <laughs> in and referring. Wet. To Re, polite ways of referring to, uh, poo and wee. So it would say like mm. this particular model would wet, but it would not mess. Whereas this <laughs> one would both wet and mess, <laughs> which I love. Um, and as a lawyer, I love the fact that the, um, there was a doll called D which tried to sue Betsy Wetsy for, for uh, I think it was. Copyright infringement, or or maybe some sort piss of infringement. violation. Yeah, and the court basically said you can't uh, copyright you, piss. You can't copyright piss, and I, think, <laughs> I think that passes the pub test. I think that makes <laughs> sense. I don't want to live in a society where piss is copyrighted. Um, <laughs> and there were other. So I looked up other different models. There was a there was one from Mattel called My Bundle Baby, which was a, basically a pregnancy simulator. So you, you could wear it Ah, as a, as a little girl. No
0: way. You could wear it over your belly. Do you
1: know what year this was, John? Uh, let's see. I'll have a look at My Bundle Baby. So My Bundle Baby was a baby that was a pregnancy simulator. (laughs) You could wear it over your belly. If you were a um, a child, but you were interested <laughs> in the intricacies <laughs> of pregnancy, and you could feel its its heart beat, uh, <laughs> and Tyco and the other toy brand that I've already mentioned mentioned, I uh, uh, released a baby called Baby Feel So Real, which sounds so scenic, so sinister, uh, yeah. which had a realistic it skeleton,
0: R and B lyrics.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> baby feels so real. And that, well, that funnily enough, there was a rap song in 2012, which I think mentioned one of these, um, these dolls. Uh, but at the time, so in the early nineties, there was a guy, there was a New York Times article about this phenomenon. And there was a professor of child study at Tufts University who said basically that these toys are going too far and that they'll lead to like kids thinking that you know, if something goes wrong with the baby that it's, it's dead or they have some kind of weird parental responsibility for it, which might be those kinds of concerns and just the general creepiness of the whole thing might've led to its demise, I suspect. But it's, but I mean, it was a real like arms race in the toy industry to basically find new ways to, um, to make them uh, emulate
0: the biological functions of living infants Which I love It is uh, fascinating because you just think On on a, on a logical level you go This is the last thing that I would want something I don't want to pay money for something that pisses and shits It's like I was just laughing yeah. at myself going You know if you were to <laughs> just swap a baby doll For like uh, yeah. a 95 year old man doll that you need to get you <laughs> like if there's kind of grampy grampy messes like and wet. T- I'm yeah, not really like sure. Tim and Eric, pep, my new pep, pep, doll. <laughs> like and you and you kind of play a carer and you have to t- you know, mm. take care of elderly people that have lost control of their bodily functions. That's somehow <laughs> that's the same thing, but just like not nice as fun a toy.
1: You're like, Why would I wanna wanna simulate this situation? I don't wanna do it. Um, but I'm just going to segue to the Baby Alive Wikipedia article, which I recommend everyone have a look at. Uh, Baby Alive was a doll that was first made by, uh, Kenner in 1973 and was reintroduced by Hasbro in 2006. Um, and this is the article that refers to. It says Baby Alive is a baby doll brand that eats, drinks, wets, and in some case messes and has a movable mouth. And and so it was first made in the seventies and you could feed it food packets mixed with water and a spoon and it would be, and it was quite sophisticated because it had a kind of moving mouth and would make a noise when you did that. Mm. And then you'd have to push a lever on its back to get it to chew the food and then... (laughs) the food would end up in the diaper as plastic waste. Um, Ah. And then it said that they sold up to a million dollars dolls each year. In 1992, the first talking baby alive doll was produced um, and it didn't need a lever. It swallowed automatically and used a potty instead of a diaper. And uh, there were sensors located inside the doll to detect what stage the food was at and trigger it's, Voice to say a variety of things like, I have to go potty or all done now. And it's this article wonderfully says, These dolls did not sell well due to the loud gear noises and deep adult voice of the, doll. <laughs> <laughs> which I love because it's just going, it's just going, I, ha- it's just some guy at the factory, I have to go potty. I don't know, I don't know how that worked, but, um, but, but yeah, there we are. And, uh, there were also dolls that, including the, an earlier iteration of one of these Baby Alive dolls that uh, vomited and <laughs> uh, that that obviously pissed and shit, that belched um, and uh, I think cried as well. There were some that produced uh, kind of tear-like uh, excretions from the eye and... Uh, <laughs> And then, and there were a whole heap of them. So there was like, you know, Baby Alive Learns to Potty, which was, uh, which said things like potty time and hurry, hurry. Um, yeah. and then it said, oops, I had an accident. If you, uh, <laughs> if you didn't put it on the potty in time. Um, and then it said there was one which was, which was teething, uh, which you could press the tongue of it and new teeth would appear. Yes. <laughs> and, uh. <laughs> There was one where, um, there was one called Baby Surprise, Real Surprise, Baby Alive Real Surprises. And it said the doll eats uh, food and drinks from her bottle and then wets and messes afterwards. And it says things like, "Uh uh-oh, I made a poo-poo or I made a stinky or surprise. (laughs) And then then, I just, I mean, I like to imagine the kinds of people whose job it was to sit in a booth in some studio, probably <laughs> <laughs> saying in their kiddiest voice, I made a stinky and then there were others, what, there are others, my, my baby alive, which was, which, uh, made a belching sound and said things like I made a stinky or did I make a stinky in that case? Uh more of a, more of an interrogation. But, uh, <laughs> But I just, I, I thought it was such a strange, I mean, naturally it makes you think of the meetings where these kinds of innovations were being discussed. Yeah. And the kinds of people who were down, like the sub meetings, you know, between sort of manufacturers going, well, what do you want to make the poo out of? What do you want to make the wee out of? What sh- yeah. Should it, does it have to be yellow? Like ha- how yellow should we make it? Is this too yellow? Or is this too realistic? Does this look yeah. too, too kind of pooey? And, uh, <laughs> and, and then I was, there was, there was a great, um, ABC Australia article with people with various childhood memories of these dolls and naturally it included like various, you know, traumatic, semi-traumatic memories where the dolls went wrong in different ways and started to like. Uh,
0: shit came out of its eyes. <laughs> yeah, Exactly.
1: There was one where these two brothers somehow managed to like reverse its function so it like projectile <laughs> vomited everywhere. And there were other ones uh, where people kids were jealous of the baby of the baby alive dolls. So they would just like um kind of use use whatever was at their disposal to try and create like a digestive tract in their doll. And then like <laughs> and then, <laughs> And then feed it like food and and liquid, and that would just lead to like the the Daily Mail had some horrific article about someone who who'd done this, and then the doll just had like maggots in it, and wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then there was one where somebody was. <laughs> Somebody was writing in saying, "Yeah, my doll looked all bruised because it basically had like algae growing in the middle of it from all the <laughs> from all the fucking fetid water that I was feeding it." <laughs>